Hallelujah. No turning back. Thank you, Lord. Nice looking cap, and there's that guy over there 
Eric, good to see you tonight, Eric. Bless you. Leyland's over there, I see. Praise God. So that's good. What a blessing that we can do this and have, have church together. Praise God. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered, that he is in the midst. Thank you, Lord. And he dwells in the midst of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, boy, we got that dog licking, too. Hey, Jennifer, good to see you tonight. All right. Looking good. Looking good, guys. Praise the Lord. Jill, you missed it. Oh, Jill sees. Jill sees the dog. My wife loves your dog. Good uh, Guys. <laughs> Don't let that tongue go in your nose, <laughs> Wes. What a blessing. These guys have been uh, a blessing in my life, Wes and uh, Jennifer, um, all of you guys, Sunshine and, uh, and Leyland and Eric. What a blessing to have you to be able to gather together. It's a mighty miracle that we can uh, come together and, and, uh, and, and meet together as brethren and uh, enjoy the word of God together. Praise God. Uh, a blessing. Thank you, Lord. Anybody got something special in their heart tonight? Thank you, Lord. What's going on? What you been reading? What you been, uh, what's been going on? Terry, you okay? I'm going to read the, the book of Acts in the very, I'm getting towards the end. Where what? Paul, it was, uh, he finally came to like the conclusion to say, you know, I've ran my course, I'm doing, I mean, whatever it takes, pretty much, is, is kind of how I took it, but it was a good state to be in. Paul was converted in, in Acts chapter, um, excuse me, okay, in, in Acts chapter 9 is when uh, Paul was actually a, called Saul before and he, had, he was persecuting the church thinking that he was doing a godly thing and, um, and then on the road to Damascus he was actually going to, um, going there to imprison more Christians uh, to be persecuted or killed. Uh, right before that, in Acts chapter 7, he actually uh, endorsed the, um, the killing of Stephen, the apostle Stephen. So Paul, before that, he was a, he was a religious man. You know, he was, a, the Bible says he was a, a Pharisee. He was, the law was blaming He was thinking he was doing good things uh, and doing the right thing in his mind by doing what he was doing and coming against Christ. And, uh, uh, Acts 9 what? Well, the whole chapter's about that time. We, that's not necessarily where I'm going. But um, as time goes on, um, he, he uh, is walking down this road to Damascus going to arrest Christians. You remember the story. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, this light shines from the sky and knocks him off, off his feet. And he, the light's so bright, it, it causes him to be blind, right? And, uh, and the Lord spoke to him, and, and he and, uh, he said, well, Saul, Saul, why, why are you persecuting me? You know, you're kicking against the pricks. And he, and he asked him, who, who are you that I, that I will serve you? You know, who are you that I can walk with you? And he said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecute. And so the Lord spoke to him and said, go to this certain town, and there's going to be one there named Ananias that's going to heal your eyes and show you the way to the kingdom. And, and he went forth and Man, from that time on, Paul, his name was not even called Saul anymore, it was called Paul. And he was on fire for the Lord. 
uh, after that. I mean, he was just, he didn't care what anybody thought. Uh, the scripture says in Galatians 1 that he went into the, for a while he went to, to just hear from God. God had appeared to him and, and taught him in, in the wilderness of Arabia. And he became an apostle of, of Jesus Christ through the Lord. The Lord gave him his apostleship. But as you see, he went on, and, and man, he just started preaching the gospel with such a fervor. Became one of the greatest uh, writers and, and um, greatest uh, apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read all of his books. Uh, he wrote the book of uh, uh, the book of Romans. He wrote the book of First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I mean, he just wrote a lot of books to us. But you got, no, well, we don't know about uh, but, but you look at this guy, uh, where he came from, and he had a really true repentance. He had a deep repentance where he turned his, his life turned completely around. And, and that's what I like to see. That's what the Lord likes to see in us is where you, you, you're, not, you're not the same. He wasn't the same man. That's why he even changed his name from Saul to Paul. And, and you see him going and, and I, I'll never forget, you read the book of Acts, how uh, he was going from place to place ministering. Him and, him and Barnabas was gone, and him and Silas went, and they, they get persecuted. One time he, they left him there, uh, they, they stoned him in one town, and he was supposedly dead. And the disciples gather around him, remember, and they pray. And he gets up and he said, okay, let's go back and minister some more. Go back to these places. And Icanium and Lystra, where he was then, and he received tremendous, tremendous persecution. But he kept going. He said, let's go back and confirm the souls. Let's go back and help those people that we've shared with him and help them, encourage them in a word. And uh, as, as he was getting toward the, the finality of his life, he wanted to go uh, to be there on the day of Pentecost. He wanted, to, he wanted to go and share the gospel with everybody at Pentecost. He said, there'd be so many Jews over there. And he was taking Timothy with him. And, 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 uh, and he went there and he had shaved his head and all because they, they uh, different things tried to go where they were at. And uh, on his way there, he had stopped in on some, with some disciples, and, um, and he was being warned, don't go. Don't go, Paul. If you go, they're going to arrest you. They're going to put you in jail. You know, you're gonna be, you're gonna, it's going to lead to your death. And, uh, and that was over in Acts chapter, uh, chapter 20 and 21 and so forth. Um, and a guy named Agabus, a prophet named Agabus, came up to him and, and took, took his belt and tied Saul's hands together in room and he tied him up and says, this is what's going to happen to you if you go. And I'm telling you about the Holy Ghost. And, Saul, and, and Paul says, man, you break my heart that you guys care so much. But look, I'm ready to die for the Lord. You know, none of these things are going to stop me. And he says, and he makes this statement, which is one of the most profound statements in Acts chapter 20. He says, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that's going to happen to me there. But one thing that I know is that bonds and afflictions abide me wherever I go. I got persecutions. I got things that come at me wherever I go. This man, when you read his story, he said, man, I, I was out. He said, I had sleepless nights. He talks about that in, in, uh, in the Gospels. He said, I, I was beaten five times, 39, 40 lashes, last one. I was, uh, I was in perils of the sea, perils of the, of the land, um, just is beat up so much and he says but I'm full of the joy of the Lord. As a matter of fact if you turn with me to, to one place uh, in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians listen to what he says here this, this great man of God 2 Corinthians chapter 1 
this always has um, just really, really heartfelt. In Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians one and um, and verse seven, he says, "And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so shall you also be of the consolation." Like, okay, you're going to get the suffering, but look, you got something better coming. But listen to what he says. For we would not, we would not, brethren, have you to be ignorant, not know of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed, we were burdened, out of measure, above strength. Man, this is how bad it was. It was above measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Like, man, we just wanted to die. You'd have to, you'd have to get better to die. This is how tough it was. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead, who delivered us from, from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Wow, what a great man of God. And this is the man that said, listen, follow me like I followed Christ. Do those things. It's well worth it, he said. So anyway, he gets to Jerusalem to go and to minister there, and he's in the temple, and somebody calls him out. Somebody, somebody calls out to him and says, and says, this is the guy that brought a Gentile into the temple and defiled the temple. And it caused a great uproar, so much so that they, they, uh, they were beating him up. So the Roman, Roman guards came, were sent, and they take him and pull him away from him, and he says, he says, uh, everybody wanted to beat him up. He said, hey, man, uh, and he saw that he spoke, he spoke Hebrew, too, and he, and, he spoke there, and he spoke Greek. And he said, let me speak to the crowd. Let me just speak to them one time. So here he is. They want to beat him. And he says, give me another opportunity to share with them. So he gets up, and he, and he shares the truth of Jesus Christ, of, of repentance, of, of what the Lord had done for him, all those things. And the people said, man, get this. They, they just wanted to kill him. So they put him in jail. Uh, you know, the Romans do. But then the Jews said, we're not going to eat until we kill this guy. And they had a plan to get him away. And, 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 and Paul's nephew went and, and, and told Paul in jail, he says, listen, they, they want to kill you. They told the captain, they said, they're, gonna, they, they're plotting to kill Paul. So he, so he took Paul and sent him to another place by night. And he came there for a while. And then, and then as he was there, uh, then he began to go before the judge, like, what's wrong? You know, they're trying to Figure out what did he do wrong? Because he didn't do anything wrong. And then as time goes on, they, they, he's in prison for quite a while. Agrippa, Priscilla, uh, all these people come to, to try to, to uh, judges to try to see what they can figure out he did wrong. People came down from Jerusalem to try to testify against him, but they couldn't prove anything against him. So, so finally, I think it was Agrippa, one of them said, listen, what we're going to do is we're going to send you back to Jerusalem and let them judge you there. And he says, no. He says, I'm a Roman citizen also. And he said, I appeal to Caesar. So he said, okay, we're sending you. You want it that way? We're going to send you to Rome. We're going to send you to, uh, to, to Caesar. So they put him on a boat to go to Rome. And when he, when he gets on this boat, he warns them that the sea is going to get bad. But uh, they go anyway. And man, this, uh, basically a cyclone or hurricane comes. And they caught up in this thing. And it looks like they're going to lose everything. Now, here's Paul, a great man of God, a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, doing the will of God, in the will of God. And he's on this boat with like, I don't know, it was like two or three hundred people. And, and 
they're all rebellious. They're not listening to him. Uh, and and he's, he's there. He says, listen, he says, don't, don't worry. You know, this thing is not going away. But you need to do what I tell you because or else if you do this, you won't lose anybody on the, on the boat. But if you do what you plan on doing, you, you're going to lose people. So, they, so here he is. He, it's cold. It's raining. It's obviously raining is what, what it says. Uh, and, and even at that, all the splashes coming in the boat from the waves and all the stuff from the hurricane. Uh, and they in this boat, uh, they dump all the food out because they try to, to uh, make the boat lighter so that it won't be so rough. So they throw it all out. So he's hungry because there's no more food. And he's in this boat, and it doesn't look good at all. It looks, this is getting worse and worse. Finally, they echo, and they, they send out a call, and they find that there's land somewhere. And so they ram the boat into this, this place that meets two places in water, and it breaks off part of the boat, and they're going to swim to the island. And so they all had to get boards to swim there, but the captain of the boat said, let's just kill all the prisoners, including Paul. Let's kill them all so that we, so that we can just swim to the, to, back to, to shore and everybody be okay. And so the captain of the knew Paul, and, and you and you got to know him in that uh, boat ride and says, no, let's, let's not do that. Let's take, let's take them and let them get on boards and float to the island. So they all floated to the island. Remember, it's cold, it's wet, it's, they're hungry. They, you know, I mean, it's bad. No fellowship, nothing is what Paul's going through. And they finally get to the island, so, and it's, they find these people that are like barbarian people. they like unsophisticated people. And they were, they were, they were nice to them, and they, they, they were going to, it was a bunch of them, so they needed to get warm, so they decided to build this big fire. You know, and so Paul and all the prisoners start gathering wood to make this fire. You follow me? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they're making this fire, and as Paul's putting his branches down in, in there to make the fire, some big poisonous snake comes up and grabs his arm and bites him in front of everybody. And they said, I mean, this guy's a dead duck. I mean, he, he's going to die. And so they're sitting around. You can imagine Paul sitting there, and they're all sitting around this fire looking at Paul waiting for him to fall dead. And uh, he doesn't fall dead. And then they say, oh, he's not dead. He's been bit by a poisonous snake. Man, this guy's a god. He went from thinking he's a devil to believing he's a god. And so then they, then, then Paul starts preaching the gospel. He gets an opportunity to start sharing the truth with them, sharing about Jesus Christ, sharing about repentance and, and living for the Lord and, and with all your heart. And then they, uh, they decide, well, you know, we got the, my dad's sick, the captain of the island, the head of the island said his dad's real sick. Paul goes and sees him, prays for him, he's healed. They were taking his clothes and like sending it out and he's healing people. Back, yeah, before that, yeah. But all of a sudden, he's healing everybody on the island, you know. So they're all like all excited, you know, and Paul finally gets an opportunity I mean, think about it. You know, he went through all that snake bit, hurricane, wet, cold, no fellowship, you know, going to be bound in prison. And then he's, he said, man, I got an opportunity. And he starts sharing and he starts praying for, for them. They start getting healed. Uh, miracles start happening. Uh, what a wonderful testimony he has. But look at the, what he went through to get that testimony, you know, of all the persecution and all the, the, the uh, tribulation he went through. Uh, what a great man of God. So I'm going to go back where you were talking about. If you go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're talking about whether we're taking his clothes and his people? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you to, we, we've gotten 
close to the end of Paul's life. And when Paul arrived in Rome, uh, they didn't have any charges against Paul. Uh, they didn't, nobody, by the time he got there, they didn't know what to do with him. So they stuck him in, in a prison, um, gave him bread and water to drink, and, and allowed him to have visitors. Now, you've got to keep in mind, Paul is the type of guy, guy that's going through all this, and he writes at the end of, his, end of one of his letters, and he, and he said, pray, in Ephesians chapter 6, if you'll read, he says, pray for me. And you think he'd say, pray for me to help me out in some of his tribulations, but he says, pray that God would give me a door of utterance and that I would be more bold to speak forth his, his, this witness. He's looking for more boldness. He's looking, instead of looking to take care of his own, he, remember Paul said, I don't count my life dear to myself. He says, it's not about me. This is an example, again, of what a real Christian lives like. He lives that way. It's not, he's not living for himself. Paul didn't live for himself. He lived for Christ. And that's why Paul was able to say in Philippians chapter 3, he said, those things you both seen and heard and learned of me do, and the God of peace be with you. But here he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm just going to start uh, at verse 1, in 2 Timothy 4, 1. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick or the alive and the dead at the appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. If anybody could say preach the word, Paul could say preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Some people say, well, I'm waiting for an opportunity. I'm waiting to become a good friend of them. I'm waiting to get to know the person better. No, he says, preach the word always, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching or doctrine. For the time will come, and boy, we didn't that time, when men will, will, they will not endure sound doctrine, will, but after their own lusts, own desires, shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And we have spoken about that many times, and you're very familiar with that scripture, and we live in that day, don't we? Yeah. People have itching ears, and they want to hear and do what they want to do. Um, and, and guys, just to insert something here, uh, I talked about it a little bit this morning. I'm hearing more and more about this, and, and I'm very, very troubled at this. Uh, uh, a couple of days ago on Fox News, they had a, a preacher over in Southern California at the Harvest Christian Church that committed suicide. He killed himself. Um, he suffered from, he said, from depression, and, uh, and that he, uh, he, he actually wrote books uh, for people to read on depression to try to help people, he said, and uh, to overcome depression. And he finally, he just, uh, he just took his own life. And uh, I, I was, it's, it's bad enough to talk about when somebody does that, that, how horrible it is. He had two young children and a wife he left behind. He was, he was uh, 28 years old, I think, 28, 30 years old. Um, and it's bad enough to talk about that, but this is what the response was to that which grieved my heart. And I know that in funerals, and I've never been to a funeral where, where somebody said, well, that guy, he's sure going to hell. You know, you, you don't hear that. You know, it's always, well, he's in a better place. It's always, well, you know, uh, um, he was a good guy. You know, he did some good things, you know, and it's always about that. But bottom line is, it's, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it, it says that, uh, if we, if, we destroy, if we destroy our own bodies, then God will destroy us. That it's still 
murder because our bodies don't belong to us. We're not our own. We belong, our bodies belong to the Lord, and we don't have the right yeah. to take our own life. Don't you know, it's, it's, it's really a, an unrepentable sin because the act itself ends life and ends the ability to be able to minister. Yeah. Yeah, um, you're, you're absolutely right, and that's what the Scripture says. It is murder, and it is killing. And, and, um, and of course, the response to uh, Jill even pulled up uh, on there, it had a lot of people commenting back, you know, and they said, and, and, and the, the scripture that the, that the senior pastor said was uh, that um, nothing can separate us from the love of God, neither height nor depth, you know, in Romans 8, he quoted from that, like um, committing suicide is not going to separate you from the love of God. Uh, my thought was, and they were all talking about how good of a guy he was, how he wrote these books, how he was compassionate, how he really you know, did all these good things and, and all these wonderful works uh, and, and, and how he's in heaven and how he's no more pain, how there's no more sorrow, there's no more crying, you know, he's in heaven now and his wife said, oh, he was a good husband, you know, he really did good, you know, and, and, but he suffered from this and he finally just took his own life. As if you kill yourself, if you kill yourself, if you have a trouble in life and you kill yourself, then you get rewarded. You get to go to heaven. You can escape the trials. I mean, and, I, and I'm reading the life of Paul, and I'm reading the life of how many times it looked pretty depressing for him, how he said, man, I, death was at my door. I, I was pressed out of measure. I was going through all this persecution, and, and, and how he continued to endure and because he knew he had a treasure that was coming. And the preacher, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about when I'm reading this stuff, I'm thinking about the people that's listening to this. I'm not partic thinking particularly about this guy that did this. I'm thinking about the people that are sitting there listening to that. Because they're hearing that, hey, I can kill myself and I can go to be with the Lord, which is far better. And I can just end this thing, like Mark said about his dad or about this guy said about his about his pastor, about her husband. But I'm not thinking so much about what they're saying, which is wrong, but I'm thinking about the people that are hearing it, Larry. How they are they hearing that I can do this and I can go to heaven, I can escape it. So that fella that's on the edge, Don, and he's thinking about all these things. His wife left him, uh, his wife committed adultery or somebody messed up, his child died or whatever these things might be where he's really, really beat up and he, and he can't hardly deal with it. You, you guys have been in situations, you know what I'm talking about, where you just want to like escape reality and they think, hey, I can do that. But if a righteous person turns from their righteousness and commits sin and does the, the same detestable thing the wicked person does, will they live? None of the righteous things that that person is <laughs> That's what the scripture says. And, and when, I'm, when I'm reading these things of in the last days that shall turn away their ears from the truth and they want, to, they want to feel comfort in those things but I always think about what about that person that's sitting there listening to this that's on the edge and they're pushing him right over the edge yeah. to kill himself and go to hell. Wes, you got something to say? Ezekiel. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just horrible in many aspects. I like what you're saying, 
you know, what about the people that are going to take their life, um, you know, because they listen to this? But even beyond that, what about the families of the people that are going to take their life because they listen to that garbage? You know what I mean? And that's, and, and the, you, th- you could think about the immediate family, which we know is horrific. You know, if anybody went through that, um, we, the children, everything that is going to happen, I mean, it's just, it's, unimaginable what uh, the family is going through. But what about the other family? What about all the other families and the people that are going to hear that? They're going to take their life. A child's going to take his life. What are the parents going to think? Or another parent's going to take their life? And you're spreading that message as if if you're condoning it. And, uh, you know, everybody that preaches that and uh, says that that's okay, then those people's blood are going to be on their hands. And uh, all I'm saying is the blood's not going to be on my hands because I'm not going to condone it. Yeah, that's a good point too, Wes, in that the ones that are saying that, th- their blood, like you said when that scripture, Don, is th- their blood is on their hands because they're, they're giving that person that's sitting there listening to it or reading that or watching that on, on Fox News and saying, man, I can go to heaven. If I, I mean, it's bad for me here on earth. I can go to heaven and escape that. That preacher said that uh, the main preacher there, um, you remember his name? Greg Laurie. Uh, Greg Laurie was the, the main preacher of that Harvest Church there. And he said, uh, a lot of people think just because we're pastors and ministers that we have all the answers, that we have the answers. And he says, uh, we're just like anybody else. We go through hardships too, and we don't have the answers. And that was really breaking to me too, in that you should have the answers. Because the Word of God has the answers. You know, the Word of God says, don't do that. You know, I, I remember uh, years ago, and things have changed so much, but years ago, I remember somewhere I went, uh, um, uh, some of you probably remember that are older, like Cedric, uh, that <laughs> that I went to, and I think you told me you went to, to it too, that was like a Hell's Gates and Heaven Fire or something. Yeah, and, and they did a thing there, a skit there, that... Uh, I don't know if it was that particular one or another one to you, but where this guy was down and out, you know, and he's sitting there and the devil's sitting on the side of him and telling him, look, just go ahead and end it. Just go ahead and, and kill yourself and end all this. And, and it was like the devil and like, like one, and, and showed several skits and one of them does it and he ends up in hell. And you know, oh man, what happened? You know, because he listened to the enemy. The other guy comes through and he says, I'm not listening to him anymore. No, I'm going to come through this. And he, and he lives a life in the Lord. But you don't hear that anymore. Now all you're hearing is, you know, end it. It's okay. You're going to heaven. You know, you, all this stuff, you, you know, you can, you can kill yourself. You can, you can fornicate. You can do all these things and go to heaven. And, and it's sad. And, and I, know, I know depression. I know persecution. I know tribulation can be very, you know, like he said, very afflicted on us. The Bible says all that really truly live godly shall suffer persecution. That's a suffering Suffering means you're feeling it, but we're not looking for this place. We're not looking to comfort this. We're looking to please our Lord. That's what it's about, pleasing our Lord. Do you want to say something, Eric? Yeah, thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, that's, that's correct. So what, this, what he's doing there is, um, as Paul warned in the letter to Timothy, just as you said, that um, he's wa- they're wandering off into myths, that they're turning away from listening to the truth, 
wandering off into these myths. So Paul gives us this advice and basically command through God that as for you, always be sober-minded, endure. We lost you, Eric. You're doing good. <laughs> Larry told me. <coughs> She died a couple weeks ago, and he committed suicide a couple weeks later. Couldn't live without her or whatever. And they had a, a celebration of life for them this last weekend. And uh, uh, they said, oh, we, they, they wish we were there and all that. And so I texted back, and I just, uh, <laughs> right text was, uh, That man's some oxygen, it would be a lot better. <laughs> He's getting his breath. Oxygen, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, Larry? Was, uh, uh, in good conscience, I, can't, I must say that what I believe, it is truly a tragedy, a tragedy that they were both gone, but I believe to be true that if Melanie's heart was in the right, and if Melanie's heart, mind, and soul was, in, was right with God, and she kept the commandments as written in the Bible, then she made it to heaven, but only if she, it, but only if that was true. But for Moses, that was his name. I feel he took the easy way out, but that don't mean he made it to heaven. When a person commits suicide, that guarantees that that person, a life for eternity, is in hell, because in God's eyes, that's committing murder, and if. And if she made it to heaven, then the only place they have together is the ashes that they put in the gas tank. They put mm. the ashes in the motorcycle gas tank together. And I said, the only place that they are together is in the ashes of the, of the gas tank. Just saying, and in good conscience, celebrating somebody's suicide, I can't condone. Wow. Is this the preacher who said that? No, there's just some people up in Iowa. Oh, okay. But I mean, it was like they had a celebration of life about it. I mean, I, there's no way that I would even attend something like that. It's yeah. like that's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's it's comforting. I think that they feel to themselves and to the family 
but they're not thinking about, first of all, they're not saying what's according to God's word, and secondly, they're not thinking about the people that are out there looking yeah. and listening. They're not thinking about anybody yeah. except themselves. Yeah. Well, a friend of mine out there in Iowa, when we was living up there, uh, I was working with him, and, and uh, uh, a really good friend that he'd grown up with, you know, uh, it's like hundred and some miles away, and uh, his son had killed himself. Well, when when Tom found out that his son had died, he didn't know that he killed himself. And, and like it was in the wintertime, he's like, you know, it was below 30 degrees when he took his motorcycle over there. You know? Cold, cold, you know. And uh, he gets over there. As he's warming up, that's when he, you know, he's talking to the guy that was his friend, you know, the father of the guy that killed himself. And uh, yeah, that's when he found out that his, the guy's son had killed himself. And, Tom was so mad that you called me over here to celebrate me to to celebrate somebody's life that, that killed himself. You know, uh, he's got a wife and kids, and he's got a family, and he killed himself, and and he just got on his motorcycle, didn't even warm up, and rode all the way back. But see, nowadays it's it's it, the way people are. It's not like that anymore for the major part. I mean, th these guys were saying. They just went on and on about how wonderful a guy this was and how he deserved to be in heaven. He left his two little children and wife behind and, and took his life. Uh, you want to finish, Eric? You were saying something? You back? complete, you were on verse 4, I think it was, uh, uh, verse 3 or 4, you were finishing it up. Yeah, um, I, I guess I kind of wanted to round it up just to summarize that Second um, uh, Corinthians chapter 7, we're kind of familiar with that, uh, verse 10, really Change that we go through this mission, not really uh, anything visibly or the revelation to people, but over time you 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 get to this point where you realize how wrong you've done. And uh, Paul reflects this by saying, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. And then that what, what you get out of that godly grief is, he says here in verse 11, what earnestness this godly grief has produced, also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. So this is a washing and clearing of true repentance. Amen. Amen. I want you to, uh, before we go on, you're going to hold your place in 2 Timothy. While we end 2 Corinthians, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 right there. 2 Corinthians 4. I want you to listen to a couple of things that Paul went through here, besides what we already talked about. 
and then I want to ask then I want to ask you some to give me some scriptures uh, and you can start preparing for that I want, I want you to give me some scriptures that God says why it's wrong to commit suicide okay so I want you to prepare for that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 though it says here um, uh, in verse 7 4 and 7 it says but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency, excellency of the power of God power may be of God and not of us we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. Oh, this is good, huh? Right? You get that? We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body, in our bodies, the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Why is this happening? So that others will look at us and say, look what he's going through. How does he do that? Because you got a piece inside of you where all hell could be going on on the outside and you're okay on the inside. We we'll all go through it, but it's your attitude in going through it. If you're going to complain and murmur, then there's no testimony. But if you're like Paul and you say, listen, I want the life of Jesus Christ to be manifest through, my, through me by people seeing what I go through so that the life of Jesus can be glorified in my body. And he goes on and says, for we which, will, which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. We said that in his life, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. That Jesus' life, like Paul said, those things you've seen and heard and learned of me, do them. Follow me, follow me as I follow Christ. Or follow me. Because he wanted people to see, look, I'm going through it. And I'm okay. I count it all joy, he said. As a matter of fact, look at it. I think it's 2 Corinthians 7 where you were just now. Look, look at this uh, in verse 4 of chapter 7 that you just spoke of, Eric, uh, of, of uh, 2 Corinthians. It says this. He says, great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my glory of you. I am filled with comfort. Look, I am exceedingly joyful in all of my tribulations, my tribulation. He said, <laughs> he said, man, I'm still joyful with all these tribulations, with all these things going on. You think he's thinking about committing suicide? He's found that place in Jesus. It's not like that pastor saying, we don't have any answers. I've got an answer. It's Jesus. Jesus is the answer. I can be exceedingly joyful in the middle of the tribulations that we go through. You can be exceedingly joyful in whatever you're going through. No depression. But man, if you're without hope, if you're without Jesus, and you don't have that, man, I don't blame him. <laughs> I don't blame him. But it's the goodness of God that led us to repentance. He broke us. He brought us through times of hardship in our life that caused us to finally give up and say, Lord, I don't want this old life anymore. I want life in you because the Lord gives true life. What did he say in John 10, 10? The thief comes but for the steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. There's no life outside of Jesus. There's always going to be letdowns. There's always going to be problems. There's always going to be things. And if you don't have the life in Jesus, you don't have life. You can think you have it, but you don't have it. Look at Look at, at, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Listen to what Paul says here. 2 Corinthians 11. And we'll start at verse 23. 
and he's kind of he's kind of de defending somewhat here because they're they, they're starting to follow other wanting to follow other people, and they think that well, Paul's not that great, and so Paul's having to come back and stand up for himself here in in the Lord. And he says, verse twenty three, he says, "Are they the ministers of Christ?" He says, "I speak as a fool. I am more." He said, "I'm in labors more abundantly." In stripes and beatings above measure. I've been beat up, man. I've been beat. In prisons more frequent. In and out of jail. Jail is no fun. In deaths often. At the point of dying. Of the Jews five times received thy 40 stripes less one. Beaten like that. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. We read about that. Or night and a day, I have been in the, in the deep, floating around in the water. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, tribulations of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, in perils of the city, in perils of wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. Paul's saying, you, listen, you think you've been through something? <laughs> Let me show you what I've been through. Yeah. Peter says, don't think it's strange when it comes back. That's good. Yeah, don't think it's strange concerning the fire child, which is trying to some strange thing happen to you. And, and I've been, uh, Wes told me about a, a, a book I've gotten lately of, of the forefathers of people that lived like 200 AD, you know, and wrote things. And, and, and all of them, you know, Justin, Justin Martyr, you know, all these different people, they all died for their faith. They were burned at the stake. They were hung out upside down. They were thrown in boiling water. They all went through that. They didn't commit suicide. Things didn't look good um, in this world. But Abraham, but in the book of Hebrews, chapter eleven, Abraham, they, they, the Bible says this. He says, he says, he says, we're not looking for this city. We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. We're pilgrims that are passing through. This is not our. This is not our home, brother. We've got a home Amen. where Jesus said he went and built our mansion. We have, he said, in my Father's house, a many mansion. For when I saw it, I told you, he says, told you so. For where I am, you shall be also. <laughs> That's what he tells. Where I am, you shall be also, etc. Praise God. Let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And let's read what Paul says here. I'm going to pick up where, where Eric left off in verse 4. He said that they shall turn away from the truth turn their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables, storytelling. Bunch of stories, but untruth. But watch, but you, you watch. You endure afflictions, hardships. You do the work of an evangelist, spread the news. You make full proof of your ministry, of your service to God. For I am now ready to be offered, I'm ready to die. And the time of my death is at hand. But let me tell you this, what he says. I fought a good fight. How about you? I've kept, I finished my course. I did what I was supposed to do in the Lord. Boy, to have that assurance, you're going to be with the Lord, and you know you finished your course, you fought that fight. He says, I kept the faith. I didn't waver. I didn't go back to the world. I kept it all the way through from that time of conversion in, 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 on the road to Damascus. Look at my life. It's a testimony, he says. Look at my life. 
Look at what I've been through. I glorify the Lord in everything I've been through. I gave my life. I surrendered my life. I left all sin behind and, and so that you could see my life, those things you just seen. Look at, look at it. Hold your place. Philippians chapter 3. Hold your place there, First Timothy. Philippians 3. Look what Paul says here. I'm sorry, Philippians 4. One more chapter. In verse 9, Paul says this. He says, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do them. What a challenge for Paul. <laughs> well, we saw just a glimpse of what Paul did, right? And we heard and you know, he gets me, if Paul would have been sinning and he made this kind of statement, he'd be like, wow, Paul, you sinned over here. Are you telling me to do that? you telling me to, to, to do those things that you did? But what life do we have of Paul? We see a life totally sinless, totally walking in the, in the truth of the gospel, totally didn't care how much persecution. How many people do you know that when things happen to you in the slightest here in this life, they begin to murmur, they begin to complain, they begin to try to squirm and try to find a way out. Or they begin to, to think of contemplate suicide. Not this man. He said, I want you to be a copycat of me. I want you to do what I do. Jesus said the same thing. He says, those things you've seen and heard, received or heard and seen me do, and then the God of peace shall be with you if you do this. Want your God of peace to be with you? Do those things. Wow. Yeah, man. And this is way off topic. Uh, we usually do. Okay, we're used to this. Okay, so this is very important because I hear a lot of this, and maybe you, can kind of, you guys can kind of um, chime in on it, but I'm hearing a lot of this, uh, we are the righteousness of God. scripture said righteousness and it kind of plugged away that there's a lot there's a belief and maybe it I mean are we the righteousness of God because it's saying like what does it mean to be the righteousness of God in, in Christ Jesus it simply means that when God looks at us he sees us through Jesus Christ and his finished work of the cross we are completely accepted by God and are clothed with Jesus robes of righteousness which is very serious because that means I can do whatever the heck I want to do and I'm good to go. Can we talk about that? I read into it, but is there another scripture? Because I'm going to give you plenty. I'll give this plenty. Uh, but that's not quoted from the scripture what he's reading. That's quoted from some man that said that. But first of all, let, let me finish where I'm at, and then I'll get right on that, okay? Because I'm sure a lot of people want to comment on that. Uh, but here it says, uh, let's finish in 1 Timothy chapter 4 where we were. 2 Timothy chapter 4 where you were. Let's finish the scripture first. Finish one thing at a time for just a minute. And now I'll, I'll be glad to get right on that. Important subject. Important subject. Okay, it says, it says here um, in verse 7, we just read, I finished, I, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Then he finalizes it by saying this. Henceforth, because of this, this is what I get. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them 
that love his appearing. That was the glory of it. He said, man, he says, I'm, 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 I'm getting my, my crown, my crown of righteousness. Now, why did Paul get a crown of righteousness? Is it because like Ben quoted just now, because he was imputed righteousness or so to say uh, he is the righteousness of, of, of God? Be, why, why? Somebody tell me why. Go ahead, go ahead, Wes, you tell me why. Okay, you sit there, you don't go. Go ahead, brother. Uh, because he endured to the end. Finally, it's laid up for me to come out of righteousness because he, he made it, he took the faith, he fought the good fight of faith. Uh, you know, he, like in First Corinthians chapter 9, it says, um, he, did, he, he fought, he didn't, he didn't uh, swing into the air uh, well, to no them, to no purpose, but he ran the race and fought the good fight of faith to receive the incorruptible crown. And, he, and he, he knew that he could be disqualified and become a reprobate just like by anybody else, but he chose to run with purpose and uh, run it kind of according to the rules, because the rules apply to everybody. Um, there's nobody that's special that uh, that doesn't have, uh, that it doesn't apply to. So... I was just going to add to uh, the concept that you're that you're talking about. Obviously, Paul's life, good job, brother, uh, in regards to Paul's life being an example, and pretty much puts everybody to shame if they think that they need a way out, right? Um, but I thought one scripture would be really good. I know I just this came to my mind um, at a First Timothy chapter five, and it says. Uh, First off, it just knocks about honoring real widows. Um, verse 3 says, honor widows who are really widows, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first to show piety at home to repay their parents, for this is good and acceptable to God. Now, she who really is a widow and is left alone, trust in God, and continues in supplications and prayers night and day, but she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. So, and this is the scripture right here. Verse 7, and these things command that they may be blameless. Verse 8, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, when somebody commits suicide, they're leaving their household in a disarray. They're not providing for their household. So that has to apply as well to those that... In this life, have hope. We have all been most miserable. said, so it's not about this life. That's not what our life consists of. It doesn't consist in the abundance of the things that a man has or his desires to have. Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter, two, chapter, uh, chapter 1 and, and verse, um, verse 22. He says, um, well, let's start at verse 21. He says this, he says, For to me to live, it's all about Christ. And to die, that's gain, like you said. Yeah, I mean, Paul was like totally suicidal if he had yeah. But, but, but if, I, if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall, I choose, I want not. I, I, it doesn't matter. For I am in a strait. He said, I'm kind of caught between. I'm caught between two, two ways. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Yeah. Right? Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He kind of lines up with uh, Revelation, uh, I think it's 12, where uh, he talks about uh, uh, how they overcame was by the word of the testimony and the blood of the Lamb, and they didn't 
Yeah. Well, you know, in, in, in Acts chapter 20, when Paul said, I'm going bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that are, that, that are, that are going to come at me, he says, but one thing I do know that these bad things follow me wherever I go. He says, but none of those things move me because I count not my life dear unto myself. If you count your life dear to yourself, they're going to move you. And that's where you have to come. That's why he says you have to lose your life in order to have life, to where you don't count the things of this life dear to you. Not, that, not about that. Amen? You guys have anything to comment on any of this? Okay, I want to answer um, uh, Ben's question. No? We don't have time. I'm going to answer it quickly. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is where it's all, it's all, of course it is, but this is all spinning. And I want to get the thoughts because it's, it's, and we've talked about this several million times. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. <laughs> but it's very, it's important. Yeah. It's very important yeah, because exactly the it's the doctrine that, you know, and I'm curious how, well, I'm not really curious because I know the enemy and he paints these pictures and people take these one little scriptures and they get it out of context and then they paint this big thing and then you're good to go. But, uh, you know, I think I Okay, let me, let me give you one scripture and, and you, you know the scripture yeah, that, that clears it all up, that you can't get around. And that's in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 7. It says, don't be deceived. Now, when he says don't be deceived, he's, he's thinking like you could easily be deceived by this. And today, they're really getting deceived by this. A lot of people are deceived by it. He that does righteousness is righteous, even as Christ is righteous. In other words, if you're not doing righteous, you're not the righteousness of Christ. Okay? You're not the righteousness of Christ. The only way you're the righteousness of Christ is if you're doing righteousness. Now, Christ, actually, the scripture says, uh, where it says he became sin for us. Actually, the word there is actually sin offering. He became a sin offering for us. He gave up his life. So for what? So that all of our past sins could be washed away. We talked about that many, many times. Okay? Uh, uh, we, we are the, when, you, when that happens and a person has a full repentance, you are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. That's what I was kind of getting yeah, at. Yeah. Is that just, I was just thinking, is that just something that people are just saying and, and that whole deal? Be, or is it, we are really the righteousness of God if you're walking righteously? That's right. But but a lot of people will tell you, like, I'm not under the law. Right. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm walking in Christ's righteousness. Christ doesn't look at my sin. Like you said, he's got this cloak over me. All he sees is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's a whole made-up deal. That is not true according to what the scriptures teach. That is the biggest falsified error that's sending so many people to hell because, again, John wrote, if you're not doing righteousness, not you are not righteous. You are, you are of the devil, and the scripture reiterates over and over again. You know, we talked about over and over again those scriptures in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, chapter 6 about those that will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you're doing those things you, and you're going around saying you're the righteousness of God, what an oxymoron! What what a what an opposing statement to say I'm going to heaven, but I'm committing, but I'm looking at fornic I'm looking at pornography, 
uh, on a regular basis. I'm going to heaven and, I, and I'm lying. I'm going to heaven and I'm doing any of those things and saying they're the righteousness of God. They're really like crucifying the blood of Jesus Christ afresh. They're really like making Christ a shame, you know, to be able to even make a statement like that. That's a good one, too. Uh, James 4, it says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The proud man's going to say, oh, I'm walking in the righteousness of God. Now, they'll say you're the proud man because you say you are, you, you are walking in righteousness in the Lord. And, then, and they'll tell you nobody can be righteous. Like the woman the other day was, was being told. But we reread, and you can go to Luke chapter 1, you can read about Zach Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth. They were both righteous and standing in the Lord. Simeon was righteous. The, 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 um, uh, all kind of people. We go through, we, we've done that from, from Genesis to Revelation of, of people that were righteous. So they, that's the big doctrine, men. That's the big oh, era yeah, in, the, in, the, in the false church uh, is that. And, and that's why, again, that, just, that they will say you can kill yourself and go to heaven because you're, you're righteous no matter what you're doing. So you, it's you're endless what you can do. It's almost like you, you, you go in, and I heard one guy even say this. He believed this. His, you just need to go get your ticket stamped. In other words, you just need to go forward, accept the Lord, ask Him to forgive you, you and you got to pass it to heaven, and they, they will say no matter what you do after that. You are, you, whether you want to go to heaven or you don't want to go to heaven, you're still going because you got a ticket. That's, that's pretty bad. They never read that for Don. They only read the first part. For by grace you say through through faith that not of yourselves is the gift of God. See, it's a free gift. Uh, I got eternal life. Uh, I believed on Him. I, I, I received this. But if you read the beginning of the chapter there, in chapter two of Ephesians, it talks about how they were, came out of they were dead in their sins and trespasses, and then they were quickened and made alive by coming in with a, to a full repentance, and and they came out from that. They don't read that part. They just want to, you want to cherry pick a, a scripture right in the middle of that instead of going on down where it says, for we are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus unto good works. <laughs> You're not bringing forth good works. You're not saved. You're not following the whole counsel of the word of God. And that's what ends up happening. Ephesians 2, uh, he was quoting 8, 9, and 10. But I'm quoting the whole, the whole chapter. Um... Anything you want to add to it? Wes, Leyland, Eric, anybody? All right. Praise the Lord. Good night tonight. Is that, is that? Yeah, absolutely. I just, you know, you know, and I will say this, and it's not going to be long, it's going to be really quick. But, you know, you just think about the people that are just completely, have been told this from the beginning, and they're caught up in this, and that's the only way they know. Yeah, that, that's the sad thing. That's, that's well, like, I mean, there, there's no real, you know, the peace that passes all understanding, and there's no Lord don't have His hand on your life, and there's no walking in the will. You, I mean, you are in. You're lost.
back to the scripture again in 2 Timothy 4 that says that they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away from the truth and shall be turned into faith. And that's exactly what we have today. They don't want, they, and, and you, you, we don't have the platform. The, the false church has the platform. We can't hardly get a, get a word in because the people want to hear uh, that they're okay in their sin. They want to hear that their loved one that committed suicide is in heaven. They want to hear that. And if you say differently, like what we're saying tonight, and, and I'm, I want to do a video um, with, with Wes or, or, or one of you guys, and, and I want to do a video on suicide. But the way they'll take it, just, just like someone told me, says, man, if you do a video on, on, on Mark's, I'm talking about Mark's dad that committed suicide and then he's in heaven, then, um, you know, it's going to really make a lot of people mad and going to really upset them and make them feel bad. I, and there's been times in my life where I said, hey, you know, they, somebody died or something that was in sin, and I, I said, I don't think they made it. And, they, and people get mad at me. I don't, I'm not controlling I'm just saying it, you know. But they'll get mad at you because they want to believe that, and, it's, and they think it's rude for you to say that you think they didn't make it to heaven because the Bible says, says they didn't make it. They, they want to they be told what their ear wants to hear. That comfort, that person, they were okay. They were okay in their sin. You're not okay in your sin. You're going to hell. Doesn't matter who it is. And to think of the, of the think about this. You go and you think you're going to end it in suicide. And then you're before God. Okay, real quick, and we're going to end it. I want a couple of scriptures that I've asked you for that uh, gives me a, a that tells you that suicide is wrong. Give me a scripture. Anybody? How's that chat not cute? <laughs> there you go, Don. That's right to the point. It's not like you just spoke in Anybody? Anybody got any? Whoever destroys the temple by the destroyer. You got to give me a scripture verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I don't have my Bible open right now. Okay, I got it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. I'm just testing you, Wes. <laughs> chapter 3, verse 17 of chapter uh, of 1 Corinthians, Wes said, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. In other words, the word really is to defile is destroy. If any man destroy the temple. Who's the temple? Okay. Him shall God destroy. Now they're saying, no, if you destroy the temple of God, if you kill yourself, God's going to take you to heaven. No, the Bible says that you'll be destroyed. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6. How about that one, guys? Um of chapter 6 of, of verse 19 of 1 Corinthians. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God? You are not your own. You don't own yourself to be able to take yourself and kill yourself. You don't belong to yourself. You are not your own. You are God's creation. You didn't create you. You don't possess you. God possesses you. For you are bought with a price. 
Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It's God's possession. Your body belongs to the Lord. He says your body is not even for fornication. It is for the Lord. And you're taking what belongs to God and you're destroying it, then God will destroy you. Period. Any other ones? First John 5, Cedric says. And of course we've got all the scriptures that talk about the list of sins that are unto death and one of them certainly is murder. And uh, that's what the person ends up doing. First John 5, and what verse, Cedric? John 5? I don't think I read anything from 1 John 5. What, what, just quote it for me. Just tell me what it is. Maybe tell you where it's at. It talks about um, inhumane murder. Hmm? I think it's 1 John 4. We talk about murder, inhumane murders. I'm sorry, it's 1 John 3.15. 1 John 3.15. Oh, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. We know that no murderer has eternal life. That's good. No murderer has eternal life. Amen. Amen. Good meeting. Good, good church. Good church tonight, man. <laughs> good to have you with us tonight. Did you have any? Did you have any comment or anything that you'd like to say? Uh, yeah, I do. My name is Richard Prejean. Um, tonight, help me out with a lot of problems I've been dealing with. My son committed suicide two years ago. Wow. Right in front of his kids. And I've been having a hard time dealing with them over this. Because they say, how can people do that? And out of my family of seven, I'm the only one alive. And uh, God has me doing something. And whatever it is, I'm going to do it. Good. So I'm going to pastor school right now. Going to what? Pastor school mm -hmm. to learn how to be a pastor for real. Because I preach to the homeless people on the street. I'm a homeless person by choice. And uh, that's because I didn't know how to deal with it. For the first year, I just I just wanted to die myself. But God says, I got something for you too. So it was like coming here tonight. It answered a lot of my questions. Good. Good. I want you to come back. So I want to thank him most of all. For bringing me here tonight. Good. Well, you come back, okay? He'll, bring, he'll, he'll bring you again. Yes, he will. Okay? So, but live for the Lord with all your heart. It's not about going to a, a, a school. Sometimes those things will throw you off more than anything. It's about sticking to what the Word of God says. Yes, it is. Hold that, whoever tells you anything, hold them accountable to the Word. The Lord said, if you'll seek me with all your yes, heart and all your soul, I will be found. If you seek him in the Word, it says, the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of a king to search out a matter. Yep. Search it out for yourself. And listen to the Lord. Hmm? <laughs> the last one we have from a person said, being a pastor is a call from God. You don't need to go to Bible school. <laughs> Somebody just texted in and told, said that to you, okay? Here's the only school book, right? Yeah. 
That's right. That's the school book. And the teacher is the Holy Ghost. <laughs> he said, John 14, 26, he says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. I didn't go to a Bible school. I went to school with Jesus, and he taught me. <laughs> and he brings all the scriptures to remembrance, every one of them when I need them. God gives you a peace. He said in John, Matthew chapter 10, he says, I come not to bring peace, but I come to bring a sword. So those even of your own household will sometimes be your enemies. And then he came back in John 14 and he says, peace I give unto you, but not as the world gives. <laughs> he said, I give a different peace. A peace that's inside of it. A peace like Paul talked about tonight, like his words words shared with us. A peace that in the middle of what you're going through, God gives you a peace to go right through it. When the hurricane comes and you're on the boat and you're hungry, tired, and cold, Jesus will take you through the storm. Praise God. The peace that passes all understanding will rule your heart today. That passes all understanding will rule in your heart today. All I have to do is yield, give your life away. The peace that passes all understanding will rule in your heart. something you can have that time with us as we have take if we break bread together the Lord.
Thank you, Jesus.